0: So some definitions about joy and then some thoughts that I want to give you about joy this morning as he encourages the Church of Colossae, these Christians there in Colossae, he says, I'm praying for you. And one of my requests is that you'd be able to be patient and long-suffering and you'd be able to have joyfulness that goes along with it. Let's have joyfulness in our lives. Let me ask a question, and not to have you answer out loud, but just to have you answer in in your heart there. Have you ever been around a person who's a joyful person? I mean, they just have the joy of the Lord in their heart. And maybe even that individual that you're thinking of this morning in your heart, in your mind, doesn't even have the best circumstances. And yet they just are always abounding in joy. They've got a joyful heart. Can I say this? One of the things I think we would say about a person that just it displays that joy in their heart, it really can become contagious, can't it? Man, you get around a joyful person and it's not long before you say, you know, maybe some circumstances around me aren't going real well. But still just being around that person just makes the joy of the Lord that's in their heart kind of start to to come out in in your heart, and in your life. Have you ever been around that type of a person? Have you been around a person that's a Christian? They're on their way to heaven and they're just excited about it and they've got the joy of the Lord in their heart. Well, I want to give you a couple definitions about joy that I think we can very clearly uh, 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 attest to the scripture teaching these truths. And then again, a couple points about joyfulness this morning that I hope will be a blessing to you. The first thing I want to uh, say to you by way of a definition of joyfulness, joy uh, to have joy in our hearts is to have, just simply put this way, is to have a happy heart. To have joy in our lives is just to simply say, I've got a happy heart. Now, we have to understand that that word happiness is not the same as joy because happiness depends on the circumstances around us or what is happening around us. But joy is something that truly comes from the Lord. So it's different than happiness because it depends on, happiness depends on favorable circumstances that are going on around us or the happenings of life around us being favorable. But God is letting us know. that when we have joy in our hearts, we can have that happy heart. Again, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation around us. So definition number one, when we have joy in our hearts, we have a happy heart. But then here's another definition for joy that I think would encourage us this morning. When we have joy in our lives, we have a heart that sings. A heart that sings. Now, I don't mean we're literally always singing, but it's a heart that is so joyful because there is that song that's in our hearts that we're rejoicing in the Lord about. The Bible says in Psalm 40, and it talks about some things that happen when you trust Jesus as your Savior. Here's what the Bible says happens when you trust Jesus as your Savior. It says in Psalm 40 in verse number three, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, the Bible says. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says he, that's God, has put a new song in my mouth. Now listen to the end of the verse. He says this, even praise unto our God. Now it's literally, it's not literally going around and always singing, although individuals that have joy in their hearts, sometimes you will find them going around singing. Maybe humming a happy tune or maybe whistling a happy tune because there is joy in our hearts. One of the things that I noticed about Brother Bush when he has been here with us Brother Bush has been here with us twice now for our missions conferences. I don't know how many times when I've brought him here into the building for lunches or, or dinners, I've, I've heard him going around the halls, and he's whistling. He's just with joy in his heart. He's going around the building, and he's, kind of, and he's just kind of whistling, humming a little tune there. And again, it doesn't mean that we have to hum a tune or whistle to have that song in our hearts, but it's a song that God has given us, right? Praise to our God. But the end of that verse, Psalm 40, verse number 3 says this. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Which means that our joy can become contagious, can it? It can become so contagious that others will see the joy that is in your heart and the song that's in your heart and respond in such a way where they would say there's something different about what's going on in your heart. There's something God has given to you that I don't have yet. The Bible says many shall see it and trust in the Lord. They'll fear and then they'll trust in the Lord because of the joy that's in our hearts. So number one, a happy heart. Again, reminder that happiness is different than joy. But we can have a happy heart because of joy regardless of our situations. And then a heart that sings because God has put a new song in our mouth. But then this definition for joy, heavenly joy. You say, what do you mean by that? Joy that only comes from Jesus. This is joy that we speak of today that only comes from God. So when we would describe joy, we would say it this way. It's a heavenly joy. It's a heavenly thing. Joy is something that only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ and only comes from knowing Him. Brother Terry just read it a minute ago. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Now we talked about Brother Ron Hamilton just a minute ago and his condition that he's in right now. He was the one who wrote that song, Rejoice in the Lord right after he had to go in to have his eye removed because of that disease that he had in his eye, and yet he was still able to write to him, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because it's joy that comes, a heavenly joy, that comes not based upon our circumstances, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's a joy that comes from the Lord. Only he can give us this joy. It's a heavenly joy, and it comes from the result of knowing him. So I want to say three things about this morning. And I trust as I give you these challenges this morning you'll consider these things in your life today and I want you to address your heart today. Not to look at others around you today but just to address your heart and say God am I always abounding in joy. Is there a joyfulness in my heart today? And I want you to consider three thoughts with me this morning. Perhaps maybe you'd even like to write these down. I want you to really consider these this morning. These thoughts the Lord has laid on my heart this week as I've studied through this passage of scripture. Number one, I want you to notice this. Joy, number one, is grace dependent. Number one, joy is grace dependent. You say, what do you mean by that? Joy is dependent upon God's grace in our life. Now, I want to present to you two different thoughts about God's grace this morning, that our joy is dependent upon. Number one, our joy today is grace dependent, and we are dependent, number one, firstly, upon God's saving grace. So our joy today is grace dependent, and it's dependent upon saving grace. Only as we have a relationship with Christ can we have true joy. Now we may have happiness but we will not have this true heavenly joy, this happy heart, this heart that sings praises to God that people are looking at and causing them to trust in the Lord. We won't have that type of a joy until we have a relationship with Him. Now would you look with me in your Bible if you would to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 in our Bibles and I want you to look down at verse number 8 and I want to prove this to you this morning. That this Joy that we're talking about this morning is grace dependent. And it is dependent upon the saving grace of God. The fact that we have a relationship with Him. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 8. The Bible says these words. Whom having not seen, ye love. Ask today, have you ever seen God? Have you seen Jesus? We would say today, no, we've never seen Him. But let me ask you this question. Not asking you to raise your hand or to answer loud but do you love him do you love this God that you've never seen Peter says having not seen him yet we love him now what's the reason why we love him look at what it says in the next part of the verse First first Peter chapter 1 and verse number 8 whom having not seen ye love in whom though now ye see him not Right now, we don't have the opportunity to see Him. Now, one day, our eyes are are going to be put on on Jesus. We're going to see Him face to face. Just like Fanny Crosby wrote, I shall know Him, I shall know Him by the prints of the nails in His hand. I'm going to see Him someday. Peter says, right now, you haven't seen Him. And even though you haven't seen Him yet, you love Him. And here's the reason why. Look at what it says. Yet believing. So see, my faith hasn't become sight yet. Right now I'm just putting my faith in God. Something I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen God face to face. I haven't seen Jesus face to face. I haven't seen heaven yet. I've not gone to that place yet. But by faith I've already gone there, haven't I? If I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I've already believed in Him. I put my faith in Him even though I haven't seen Him. If I haven't seen the mansion, He's gone to prepare for me. By faith I've believed in Him. One day my faith will become sight when my life on this earth comes to an end and my eyes awaken in heaven, my faith will become sight. But until that day, we are putting our faith and trust in him. We're believing in him. What does the Bible say for by grace? Are you saved through faith? So we put our faith and trust in the Lord. We're relying upon the grace of God. And then notice what happens at the end of verse number eight, if you would. Ye rejoice. Now, why am I rejoicing? I'm rejoicing because I believed in the Lord. I'm rejoicing because of the grace that he extended to me, his saving grace that he extended to me. I put my faith and trust in him. I believed in him, and now I get to rejoice. And notice what kind of joy we have. This is because of the saving grace of God, because I believed in him. Watch down the verse here. It says, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Let me ask you this today as a Christian. Have you ever had a time in your life where your joy that God has given in your heart seemed to be so overwhelming, you couldn't even put it in words. You couldn't even describe it to somebody. It was joy that was unspeakable. Man, I can't even put it in words. I can't even describe to you the joy that God has put in my heart. Why? Because of the saving grace of God. Because we put our faith in Him and we believed in Him. We believed in Him, therefore we came to know Him and we have a relationship with Him. Somebody once said this about joy and I thought it was a great thought when we connect it with grace because remember we said joy is grace dependent. Someone once said this about joy. They said joy is grace recognized. Think about that this morning. The joy that is in your heart is because you recognize the grace of God, didn't you? You came to know his grace and you put your faith and trust in him so joy is grace recognized. Someone else said this about joy and grace. Connection that, ha- that there is with joy and grace they said this they said joy expresses the feeling of inner blessedness or gladness of heart at knowing God's favor now let me say that one more time to you joy expresses the feeling of inner blessedness so we've got a feeling that's in our heart that we are expressed to others with joy because of the blessedness and the gladness of our heart why because we know God's favor See, I came to know God's grace. When I put my faith and trust in Him, I came to know His grace. And joy is grace dependent. And it's dependent upon the saving grace of God. Now, let's consider this when it comes to the joy that we have because we are dependent upon the grace of God. Joy expresses the goodness of God's grace in the lives of three different individuals. Let's consider this this morning. The Bible tells us that joy is expressed because of the grace of God in the heart of that person that has believed in the Lord. So number one, joy is joy is grace dependent and has understood the goodness of God and the grace of God in the, in the life of the person that has trusted Christ as Savior. But it goes beyond that. Because the Bible tells us that joy, because of God's saving grace, is also expressed and experienced in heaven as well. Remember what the Bible says? The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 10, it says that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that cometh to repentance. So think about this in your heart this morning. Joy is grace dependent. We depend upon the grace of God to have this joy that's in our heart. The believer gets to experience this joy because of God's grace. And then when the believer comes to know Christ as Savior, there's joy in heaven as well. But then the Bible also expresses to us that there is joy also for the soul winner that has been able to share the plan of salvation with another person. Have you ever had a time in your life, not acknowledging out loud, not raising hands, not saying anything out loud, but in your heart, in your mind, have you had a time where you've had the opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord. If you've never experienced that, if you've never had an opportunity to share with somebody how they could know Jesus as their Savior, I would encourage you to learn how to be a soul winner and to go out and to endeavor to ask God for opportunities to be a soul winner and to personally lead somebody to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest joy that can come beyond the day that you trusted Christ as Savior. Of course, there's great joy when you trust Christ. But when you get a chance to lead somebody else to Jesus, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that that soul winner that had a chance to lead lead somebody to Jesus, the Bible says they get to experience joy in their heart as well. Let me prove it to you if you would. Would you take your Bible and go to Philippians chapter one a moment? I'm sorry, Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four for a moment. And let's notice the way that Paul describes these individuals that he has had a chance to lead to the Lord. Let's notice this this morning. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 1, it says this. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for... Now, notice how he describes them, my joy and crown. How does he describe these Christians in the church of Philippi there? He's saying that these individuals are my joy. These Christians that he has led to the Lord are the source of his joy. So not only is joy grace dependent for the person that received Christ, but then also there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. So there's joy in heaven as well. But then there's joy also for the soul winner. Look at one other passage of scripture that Paul uses. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 And look with me, if you would, at the end of the chapter there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and look at verse 19 and 20. Notice what Paul says here. This is the same man that wrote the book of Philippians. He wrote about the church of Philippi. Now he writes about the church of Thessalonica. And he says this in verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? All right, so Paul's asking, what is my joy? Where does my joy come from? Notice what he says next. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Paul's saying, the source of my joy comes from those that I have personally had an opportunity to lead to the Lord. Notice what he says in verse number 20. For ye are our glory and joy. Paul is is describing these individuals. These individuals were converted under his ministry. He was the one that had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. He was watching them as they were living now a holy life for the Lord. They had separated their lives to the Lord. They were surrendered to the Lord and he's watching them. He is enjoying the friendship he has with them. All because they came to trust in Christ as Savior. They depended upon the grace of God. It's brought them joy. There's joy in heaven. And now Paul says because of uh, the opportunity I had to lead them to the Lord, I have great joy as well. 2 John chapter 4, The I'm sorry, 3 John chapter 4, the Bible says this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now some might say, well that passage is talking about our physical children. No, not so much. It's talking about those that you have personally led to Jesus Christ. Have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Could you give illustrations in your life like that? Of people that you have seen throughout the years and they've depended upon the grace of God in their lives, it's brought them joy, but it's brought you joy because you had a chance to lead them to Christ. I think about a young man right here in our ministry, Corey, who's standing over there preaching right now. As a young man, as I stood in the service and I preached, and I got to hear and he got to hear the gospel that day, and he responded, and he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And the joy that is in his heart because he trusted Christ. But the joy that's in our heart as a church because we had the opportunity to bring him here as a young man and to see him trust Jesus Christ as a Savior and now see God working in his life. We could give examples like that, couldn't we? If we've had an opportunity to see people trust Christ as Savior. If you've never done that, I encourage you to work to uh, understand how to share the gospel with somebody. Study some Bible verses out. Study through the Romans road. Understand how to lead somebody to Christ. And then personally, as you lead them to Jesus Christ, the joy that you'll have in your heart as they've depended upon the grace of God to save them, as they put their faith and trust in the Lord. So our joy is grace dependent, but it's not only dependent upon God's saving grace, but I want you to notice number two, it's dependent upon God's strengthening grace. So joy is grace dependent, But it's not just dependent upon God's saving grace. We've got to be saved and put our faith and trust in him to have this joy. But also it's dependent upon God's strengthening grace as well. You say, well, where do you see that? Well, in the Bible, in Nehemiah chapter number 8 and verse number 10, remember what Nehemiah is doing? Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10, he says this phrase. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's he saying to those people as they're working to rebuild the walls there in the city of Jerusalem? He's saying the joy of God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not our own strength, but we are strengthened by the grace of God in our lives. So we have His power and His strength that comes by His grace, and then it's evidenced in our joyfulness. We're not relying upon our strength, but the strength of God. That comes from His grace. So number one, joy is grace dependent. So we could summarize that point by saying it this way. Maybe today somebody would say, you know, I don't know that I'm really experiencing this joy that you're talking about today. Joy that's a heavenly joy. Joy that's put a song in my heart. Joy that's made me happy in spite of all the circumstances around me. I don't know that I've experienced that joy. Maybe it's because you've never experienced the grace of God in your life. And in order to be able to understand this grace, or excuse me, this joy, it's grace-dependent. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you relied upon His grace, His work that He did for us as He died on the cross and gave Himself for us? Have you relied upon that to save you and to give you the promise and the hope of heaven and then to give you the joy that God wants you to have? So number one, joy is grace-dependent. But number two, I want you to notice this. Joy number two is spirit reliant. So joy number one is grace dependent, but joy number two is spirit reliant. The Bible says in Galatians chapter five and verse number twenty-two, it says, "For the fruit of the or excuse me, but the fruit of the spirit is what's the list there? He's got nine character traits, doesn't he?" And these nine character traits that he gives us that are the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, which, by the way, there's another list in Galatians chapter 5. That's the works of the flesh. So opposite of the works of the flesh are the fruit of the Spirit. And these nine character traits are character traits that God wants us to have in our lives. By the way, he doesn't want us to pick and choose them. He wants us to have all nine of them. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then what's the second one? Joy. God wants us to have joy in our lives. So who do we rely upon for that joy? We rely upon the Holy Spirit of God. So we're dependent upon the grace of God. We've got to be saved and have God's grace in our life to have joy. But number two, we are reliant upon the Spirit of God in our lives. After all, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and then joy. We're reliant upon the Spirit of God. So it's not something we work up in our lives. Joy is not something we just work up in our lives. We're not a joy- today we're not a joyful person when it comes to Christian joy because we've worked it up. It's something that has been produced by the Holy Spirit of God. I hope you understand the difference today. Not something you're just working up. Because we all could fake people out, couldn't we? We all could be a, a, a person that's not real. But God says, I want you to have this joy where it's lasting joy. It's a joy that you're not working up, but it's a joy that the Holy Spirit produces. Now, why does the Holy Spirit produces, produce it? Because He lives in us. The Bible says we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. That indwelling takes place the moment we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We'll have all of the Holy Spirit that we will ever need. But there's something else that God desires of us. We're also to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that's dependent upon us. How controlled by the Holy Spirit are you today? If you're not yielded or controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, then there's something wrong in your life. You've got to get to a place where you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's not God's fault. We could say it this way. When we get saved, we have all of God we will ever need, all of the Holy Spirit we will ever need. But does he have all of you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Are you controlled with the Holy Spirit of God? When you get to that place, the Bible says, because he lives within you, you'll have this joy. The Bible says this in Psalm 16 and verse number 11. It says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Think about that today. In the presence of who? In the presence of God. Well, God's presence is with us all the time if we know Jesus as our Savior because His Holy Spirit lives within us. So in thy presence is fullness of joy. Can I say this today? Do you have that kind of a joy because of the Holy Spirit that lives within you? Do you have this joy in your heart? By the way, are you reflecting it on your face? The joy that God wants you to have and wants you to display to others around you. It's grace dependent, but it's also spirit reliant because the Holy Spirit lives within us. He wants to produce this fruit of joy in our lives. John chapter 15 and verse number 11, Jesus said these words during his earthly ministry. He said, These things have I spoken unto you. You say, All right, well, what is he speaking about in John chapter 15? He's talking about the vine and the branches. Remember who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. And we are the branches. And we've got to abide in him or be connected to him to be able to have this joy that he wants us to have. And as we keep our walk and our relationship and our fellowship right with him, notice what he says. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. God says, I want my joy to be in you. And again, through the person of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, the joy of God can be in us. And I want your joy to be full. Here's what God's saying to us. The Holy Spirit can produce fullness of joy. And you want to have fullness of joy today? You want to have that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory in your life? Can I say this? In order for this to happen in your life, things have to be right between you and God. If you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, nothing can ever change your relationship. I'll say this. There are things that we can do in our lives that certainly can hinder our fellowship with God. As a matter of fact, David talked about it in Psalm 51. David's committed adultery with Bathsheba. And the Bible tells us as a result of that sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, it had caused distance in his fellowship with God or the joy that he needed to have with God. And so if you take the time to look later in Psalm 51 where David is making that great psalm of confession, in Psalm 51 and verse number 12, he says these words. He says, restore unto me the what? The joy of thy salvation. God, when I first got saved, I had joy. But he said there's sin that has distanced the joy and the fellowship that I want to have with God. There's, it, it's caused distance between me and you. The joy is not there. It's not like it should be asking God, God, I need you to cleanse me. I'm confessing my sin. I'm getting it dealt with. I'm getting it right between you and me. And so because of that, I'm asking you to restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So here's what we've summarized so far. Point number one, joy is grace dependent, which means we have to be saved in order to have it. Number two, joy is spirit reliant, which means we have to be right We have to have everything right between us and God in order to keep this joy. Now, we're not talking about keeping our salvation. We'll never lose our salvation. But we can lose our joy. We can lose that fellowship, that sweet fellowship that God wants us to have if things are not right between us and God's Holy Spirit. So it's grace dependent, which means we've got to be saved to have it. And it's spirit-reliant, which means everything has to be right between me and God in order to be able to keep that joy the way it should be. But here's our last point this morning about joy. And I hope this will really encourage you as we draw our message to a close. We said, number one, that joy is grace-dependent. We said, number two, it is spirit-reliant. But here's the last one we really got to grasp here this morning. Joy is also circumstance-irrelevant. Joy is circumstance-irrelevant. Which means simply this, we can have joy in spite of any circumstance we ever face. And I know that some would say, well, yeah, but if you understood what I went through, if you understand what I have to go through, you might not be able to make that statement. But I think we see it clearly all throughout the Word of God, though. We see the truth that we can have joy in spite of our circumstances. So joy is circumstance irrelevant. Go back to what we were reading in Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at this real quick. Colossians chapter 1. And remember we were down at verse number 11. I want you to notice a few things here as we draw this message to a close. Colossians chapter 1. And remember what we read in verse number 11. Now this is Paul's prayer for the church of Colossae. And when he's praying here for the church of Colossae, the Bible tells us that he asked, he's praying for them that they would have patience. Look at verse 11 again. That they would have patience and long-suffering. Patience and long-suffering. Now, remember back to what we preached about this several weeks back now. We were talking about patience, that we were to always be abounding in patience. But those words, patience and long-suffering, have different meanings, although they both have the idea of patience. But the first word he uses there in verse number 11, he uses the word patience, that we're to be always abounding in patience. Well, that word patience there has the idea of perseverance. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago, keeping at it just staying faithful keeping at it no matter what you go through you're just persevering you just keep at it but then he also uses the word long now the word long-suffering is a willingness to wait or to seek forgiveness even when somebody has hurt you as opposed to retaliating or seeking revenge or vengeance so he's asking us to be willing to wait on the Lord and seek forgiveness instead of responding and retaliating and seeking revenge or vengeance, but he is is also asking us to persevere, to keep at it. And he said, these are some things that I'm praying for you to be able to do, but then notice what he says at the end of verse number 11. He says, while you're doing all that, I want you to have joyfulness while you're doing it. I want you to have joy. So can we say this? Joy is a necessary character trait when it's connected to patience. Would you agree with that? I don't know about you. I don't know if you would admit to this, but sometimes I struggle with patience. And sometimes when I'm going through things that require me to have patience, I'm not necessarily expressing the kind of joy maybe that God wants me to express. And so to have this character trait of joy, even when you've got to have patience and long-suffering, even when you're being mistreated, Even when circumstances around you aren't like you think they should be. God says, I want you to be patient and I want you to be long-suffering. Paul's praying that for the church of Colossae. And while you're doing this, if you can have joyfulness in your heart. So when we're required to be patient and respond correctly, sadly, sometimes our disposition can get a little gloomy. But God says, I want you to keep it joyful. When you've got to be patient, even when the circumstances of life don't match up with what you think they ought to match up with. It's not about getting gloomy and having a terrible disposition about us and just saying, well, yeah, but I've got to wait on this or I've got to respond in such a way with people are mistreating me. No, instead to respond, we're to have a joyful patience in spite of any circumstance that we go through. You know, I'll say it this way. It is possible to endure something but not necessarily enjoy it. Would you agree with that? It's possible to say I'm enduring something, but I'm not necessarily enjoying it. But here's what I would believe God would encourage us to do. Don't stay in that place long. If you've got to endure something, get to a place where you say, God, if you're going to put me through it, then I'm going to learn to enjoy it and have joy as I have to face it. Yes, we have to endure things and might not necessarily always enjoy it. But again, try not to stay there long. The Bible says in Psalm 30 in verse number 5, it says these words, Weeping may endure for a night. Do you know the rest of it? But joy cometh in the morning. Yes, we can have weeping for a while. We can have some hardships as far as our circumstances and our trials and our tribulations that we go through for a while. But isn't it great to know that God says joy is going to come in the morning. Don't stay in that place long where you say, I'm just enduring this, but I don't know that I have joy in my heart. God wants us to be so filled with joy that we can meet any trial and we can do it with joy in our hearts. Someone once said this about joy. It said, they said, if joy is not rooted in the soil of suffering, it is shallow. Think about that this morning. If joy is not rooted in the soil of suffering, it is shallow. Yes, we're going to have to go through some suffering, but may we still, at that same time, have lives. I think you would acknowledge with me, it's easy to have joy when everything's going okay, right? But it's a total different story to be able to remain joyful even as we go through the different circumstances of life. Even when we have to deal with the people that are around us. God doesn't want us to deal with the circumstances of life and the people that are around us in in a gloomy and a sad-hearted way. But instead, He wants wants us to look at the trials and the circumstances and the events of life and the people that we deal with in life around us with, with, with joyful heart and a joyful attitude in life. So as we close this message, let me give you a couple quick examples from Scripture of how that joy is circumstance irrelevant. I really want you to see this because I think we clearly see it in Scripture. That joy is circumstance irrelevant. No matter what the circumstances are, there were people in Scripture that gave us wonderful examples of joy. Would you look at these with me real quick? Look at John chapter 16 if you would. We'll go through a couple examples of scripture and then we'll draw our message to a close and I trust that God has used it to encourage you. John chapter 16, look if you would at verse number 20. The Bible tells us that Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples the fact that he's going to die, he's going to be buried and he's going to rise again and he's going to ascend into heaven but one day they're going to get to see him again. Yes, they would not, they would be without him on earth but they would get to see him again. And notice how he describes it to them. Look at verse number, uh, six, uh, chapter 16, verse number 20. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Here, here's basically what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, when I die on the cross, you're gonna weep, there's gonna be sorrow. You're gonna be sad at the fact that I'm dying, but there are gonna be some that are gonna chant out loud, crucify him, crucify him. They're gonna be rejoicing at the fact that I'm giving my life. Look at what he says to the disciples at the end of verse number 20. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Notice what he says. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. Then he gives an illustration. Notice the illustration that he gives. Look at verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. For joy that man is born into the world. I don't know how much women would agree with that, but God is saying here, hey, there's that sorrow that takes place with the birth. And then the joy that comes as a result of that child, it far outweighs the pain and the sorrow that you had to go through to bring that child into this earth. That's what Jesus is saying about the disciples. He says, when I come back, and when you get to spend eternity with me in heaven, it is gonna, that's, that joy is going to far outweigh any sorrow that you ever had to go through. He says it in verse 22. Notice he says, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. What a promise from God, right? He says, I'm going to see you again. And notice what he says at the end of verse number 22. And your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you. Yes, you've got some sorrow right now, but God says, oh, may I remind you of the joy that awaits. And yes, we may think of the circumstances that we go through here on earth, but may we still have joy in our hearts knowing at what lies ahead. Knowing that what we're going to have, what we're going to experience for all of eternity if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Look with me if you would at Acts chapter 13 for a moment. Acts chapter 13 Go down, if you would, at verse number 50. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 50. This is speaking about the ministry of Paul and Barnabas during their missionary journeys. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city that raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. What is Paul and Barnabas going through? They're going through what we would call persecution. And they're facing it hard. As a matter of fact, they're even told to get out of their coast. We don't want you anymore. Look at what the Bible says in verse 51. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Look at verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy. Yes, we might face some persecution. But knowing that this is what God wants us to do, no matter what circumstance we go through, we can just shake the dust off of our, of our shoes and move on to the next place and rejoice in the next opportunity that God gives us. Look with me, if you would, at a very, a very similar passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, now several weeks ago, we preached a message about uh, always abounding in our giving. And we went to 2 Corinthians chapter number eight, and we talked about how that this is the wonderful picture of what a faith promise offering is. It's offering outside of a church. And Paul, the Bible tells us, uses the churches in Macedonia to give an example to the church in Corinth of how they ought to give. Notice how he describes their giving. Would you look down at 2 Corinthians chapter eight and verse number two? He says, How that in a great affliction, excuse me, in a great trial of affliction, The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. You know, when you read that verse, it almost sounds like it doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. How can somebody have deep poverty and have a great trial of affliction, but yet have great joy? That doesn't make sense. And you know, for the world, you're right, it wouldn't make sense. But for a child of God, it makes easy sense to us, doesn't it? Yes, we can go through a great trial, We can even have moments of poverty where we might might not have as much as maybe what we've had at a time or two. But yet God is still good and we can still rejoice and we can still have joy in our hearts no matter what circumstance we go through. So for the Christian we easily understand that. Yes, we can go through affliction and yet we can still have great joy in our hearts. Now think about the book of Philippians. We're not going to take the time to turn there although Brother Terry read some verses from there. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What do we, if we would say the word, if we would say the name of the book Philippians, many of us that have studied that book, we would know well enough to say that that is a book that talks about what? It talks about joy, doesn't it? And we see joy all through the book of Philippians. We We see about rejoicing all through the book of Philippians. Let me ask you, where was Paul when he wrote that book? He was in jail, wasn't he? As a matter of fact, he was even awaiting martyrdom. He was going to die for his faith that he had put in the Lord. And yet he still wrote the book of Philippians about joy and rejoicing in the Lord, which shows you and I that it is possible to go through even a trial of great affliction, even deep poverty, as it's explained there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 2, and yet still have great joy. May I show you three more verses and we'll finish. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, all of these just examples of the fact that joy is circumstance irrelevant. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 6. It says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much, what's the next word? Affliction. Paul said just to be able to give you the word of God. We had to go through great affliction. We had to go through great trial, great persecution just to give you the word of God. But yet we made it through. We gave you the word of God. You believed, you trusted the Lord as your Savior. And look at what he says at the end of verse number number six. With joy of the Holy Ghost. Oh yes, we had to go through some affliction, some tough times, some trials. But yet the gospel was given to you and now we can say there's great joy that the Holy Ghost has given to us because the gospel has been shared Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 12. Now, the greatest example we could ever give in Scripture of anything that we ever study is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? What an example Jesus Christ is. Well, in this passage of Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 12, he gives us a wonderful example, doesn't he? Look at what he says in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing ye also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. Okay, so God wants us to run the race with patience. All right, who's the greatest example of that? Jesus, look at verse two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, there's so much we could say about this verse, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. See, Jesus saw the end result, didn't he? He saw the fact that his blood would be shed for our salvation. And because he saw the joy that that was laying before him, He was able to endure the cross. Can I say this? Why don't we ask God to help us to go through the trials that we go through in our life, knowing that God's not making a mistake. He understands what we go through, what we're going through, and we go through it with joy, knowing that when we get through that trial, we can have great joy coming out of that trial as well. Look at what James chapter 1 says, and it'll be the last two verses we read. James chapter 1 and verse 2. James chapter 1 and verse 2. Notice this. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right, does it? You mean to tell me I'm going to go through trials and, uh, and temptations and you're supposed to say I'm going to have joy? That's what Jesus says we're supposed to have, right? Look at verse number 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It produces something good for you. Would you would, would we all learn today to go through the circumstances of life with joy in our hearts, not, not considering the, the circumstances and weighing them and saying, well, if this is, if this is too much on me, I, I'm not required to have that joy. No, God wants us to have that joy regardless of the circumstances. So let's consider this this morning. Number one, joy is grace dependent. In order to have joy, you have to put your faith and trust in God's grace His saving grace. Do you know Jesus as your Savior today? That's how you have joy. Number two, it is Spirit-reliant. The Holy Spirit wants to produce this fruit in our lives, but it'll only happen as we stay right with Him. Maybe there's somebody today that would need to confess something and say there's something that stands between my fellowship and God and that's why I feel like I don't have the joy that God wants me to have. I know I'm saved, but I feel like I just don't have this joy Because there's something that stands between me and God. Would you confess it today? Because God says he'll hear you and he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you from all your unrighteousness, the Bible says. And then would you consider with me this morning that grace is circumstance relevant. No matter what circumstance you go through in life, would you ask God, Lord, help me to keep having joy. Help me to have it in my heart. Help me to show it on my face and my countenance for the world to see. That yes, I can go through a trial, and yet I can still have joy. How many of you have ever run across the person I asked you this morning, or excuse me, I asked you at the start of the message, you ever run across the person that just has a joyful heart? Well, let's add to that. How many of you have run across the person that's going through a severe trial in their life, and yet they still have joy in their hearts? That's what God desires from His children. And it'll only happen if we're saved, and we're right with God, and we're realizing no matter what He puts us through, we still can have that joy of the Lord in our heart. Father, thank you today for the message that you've put in my heart. And Lord, sometimes I believe when we pray,